electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. All right, John, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner. Front and center this hour, the great evaporating rally. Why stock can't seem to get anything going and whether it's a sign that the much-talked-about bounce won't materialize after all. Decent move today, not as great as it was. We'll discuss and debate all of that with the investment committee. Joining me for the hour today, Jim Labenthal, Josh Brown, Michael Farr, and right here at Post 9, Stephanie Link. It's good to have everybody with us. I'll begin with you. This kind of, are we getting a rally or not? <laughs> well, today we are, actually. Is this, this is the rally? Well, this is as good as it gets? It, well, it feels pretty good today. It's Three pretty, quarters it's, of a percent on the Dow? It's pretty broad-based, though, Scott. But I think we're rallying today because we actually got some pretty good economic data, which we're kind of breathing a sigh of relief about, right? Retail sales, better than expected. Revisions were better than expected. The control group, which goes into GDP, better than expected. Industrial production, capacity utilization. And, of course, we know the jobs, white-hot market, right? So all that's good. All of that actually leads to good earnings, which we have been seeing. Earnings are running about 12.5% in the first quarter. Margins are holding up. Seven out of 11 sectors actually are seeing higher margins. Guidance not so bad. Estimate revisions going up, too. So all of that is good. The problem is we know the economy eventually is going to slow down, right? How much can the, can the Fed engineer a soft landing? That's the big wild card. Inflation is going to stay robust. We all know that. So what I have been doing is, you know, I've gotten more balanced this year, right? Mm -hmm. Owning quality, growth, some technology companies that have gotten beaten up. Also, some cyclicals as well. We're going to talk about one of the cyclical names that I recently added. Let's do it now. Because I just think it makes sense. Um, I'm kind of surprised by it. Bought deer. Yeah. Um, Buying into the industrial economy a little bit. Um, I don't know. Why? I like what they're doing. The stock is down 15% year to date. It trades at 16 and a half times earnings, quality management, great balance sheet. That was what I was going to say, what you want to own. You want to own free cash flow balance sheets, number one in their industry. These guys have done a great job in terms of technology innovation inside the company, increasing recurring revenue. And I think they have pricing power and we want to have companies with pricing power. Listen to what Kat said today. I mean, at their analyst day, very upbeat, actually. Margins are hanging in and they just announced an increase of $15 $15 billion buyback. United Airlines, pricing power, raising numbers today. American Express, great loan growth. So you have to listen to what companies are saying, and you have to do the details. And that's what I'm doing with Deer, because I've always wanted to own it. Now, now I think I'm getting it on sale. They report on Friday this is not a, this is not a buy into the it's print. It's not an ag play? It is an ag play. I mean, direct because of what's been happening in the in the ag market. I do. I, and you know I own Corteva, right? So I've been very bullish on that. Yeah. Um, and obviously they will benefit. But I like what they're doing inside the company. Technology should help their margins. And again, pricing power, too. All right. Uh, Josh Brown, this, this rally uh, that people are expecting, I think a growing number of people are expecting um, a bounce. Are you? A bounce makes sense. We, we talked about uh, last Thursday was on the show talking about that the market was technically oversold. We had an RSI reading of about 31. Historically, you've been rewarded for jumping in at 30 on the S&P 500. And that's exactly what happened. 
Friday was a great day. A little bit of follow through today. Yesterday, not so great. But their stocks are hanging in there. Of particular note, I would, I would, uh, I would cite the industrials and the materials for outperformance. And it's nice to have the financials uh, in the fight as well. J.P. Morgan, Bank of America. Wells Fargo got dumped entirely by, uh, by Berkshire. stock still up 2.5%. So I like the action there. Uh, but I still think while we're below the 200-day moving average in the S&P, in the NASDAQ, in the Russell, every single rally is guilty until proven innocent. So this one will likely fall apart. I don't know how many more days it'll run for. Maybe there's another couple of percent higher in the S&P. And I want to just talk about the consumer and that the economic data we're getting uh, being good. It's not. Walmart told you it's not. Uh, in fact, they might have had a, a, a good revenue line. But the other thing they said was uh, the amount of transactions is down by almost 12 percent uh, year over year. Those are not good comps. So they're charging more for things, which they have no choice. The consumer is paying up, but doing less. And that's going to be a recurring theme. We don't get earnings reports and same-store sales and economic data. We don't always get it inflation-adjusted or in real terms. A lot of what we get is nominal, and then we point to it and say, look, higher number means good. It doesn't well, mean good. The University of Michigan Consumer Confidence number is, well, hold on, the lowest reading, the lowest reading we've seen in 20 years I outside know. of a recession, the lowest, and, by the way, um, take a look at overall retail sales. Run it back 18 months. Peter Bookvar did this this morning. If you compare 18% growth in goods uh, spending versus 16% in price growth via CPI, basically it's a wash. So there is no growth. So that is the situation that we're in. I wish it weren't true. I don't like coming on here every day and, and being negative, but I'm being honest with people. Nominal yeah, gains are not great on, when inflation it, it, is where it is. I get you, but it also depends on where you're looking for the story you want to tell. Um, you know, if you listen to the conversation that Kramer and I had this morning on Squawk on the Street, he would tell you that Walmart's issues have a lot to do with Walmart, that they didn't have the right products and they executed poorly. You could be more positive and say, well, look what Home Depot did. Yes, they had fewer transactions, but people spent more. They were up against tough comps and they beat them. They're just executing better in some people's minds than a Walmart. They don't have a choice but to spend more. Judge, you have to be careful on where you look as well. The the Walmart and Home Depot consumer do not have a choice but to spend more. And the CEOs of both companies are already talking about a change in consumer behavior. The next place that's going to start to show up is people moving transactions from cash to a credit card. That ain't bullish. The next place it's going to sh- the next place it's going to show up after that. Just be ready for this. Um, is we're going to start to see some charge offs and some people not paying their bills. It's been a long time since we've seen that. It's a great labor market, which should keep that in check. I'm not telling you it's a calamity. I'm just telling no. you this is not a great environment for the consumer. Well, I for the services, I mean- it is. 
ask any of ask any of the companies that are in the services industry: travel, leisure, hospitality, sure, hotels. Those, and uh, they're, 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 companies are getting pricing the power. The comps are 2021. Listen, yeah. listen, the comps to are the UAL, listen to what listen to what UAL said on pricing power this morning. He basically said business travels back to 2019 levels. Sure, consumer might be softening a bit, but they're still very strong, and they're paying those higher prices. You, you've got to you've got to believe though that Steph, and we'll get the others involved in a second. I mean, if the economy slows, becomes more uncertain, th those that bounce back in biz travel is not going to last. I think, and I've made the point and conversations I've had with, with Jim Labenthal, that if you're looking at the travel-related economy and trying to say, well, look at that, the economy's strong because, look, everybody's spending on airlines and hotels. Uh, and this, that's the, that's a, a bad place to look. Services it's is the wrong place to look. Services is 70% of consumption. Yes, but it's, it's temporary. It, okay. Everybody's it been pent up, so there's that is not an indication. Earnings. It is not an indication, Jim, that the consumer is so strong. Look at what they're spending on airlines and hotels and those related services. They're they're doing it for all of the reasons we know they're doing it. But are they really yeah, spending it elsewhere? Some of the other earnings would suggest not, Jim. Okay, so this is a great discussion, and I don't think this is something that we have to take sides in. Josh is coming at it from the big picture, top-down point of view. Stephanie is where I live, looking at it from a company-specific point of view. And frankly, they are telling different stories. Consumer confidence in the big picture is telling a different story than what UAL is saying. But Scott, to your question, I say it is more than just the services sector. Okay, and I, you know, I look at things like Qualcomm. I look at things like Cleveland Cliffs. I look at things like Union Pacific, CVS. There's a lot of Jim, companies. Jim, are you going out, out and buying a piece of rebar? I mean, what does that have to do with the consumer? No, well, because the, your question wasn't just the consumer. What your question was, Scott, is is this just geolocated to the services sector? And my point is, no. It's not just geolocated to the services sector. When you're looking at it from a bottom-up point of view, there is a lot of going on besides just airline pre-announcements. This is my point. Am I buying rebar? No, but guess what? A lot of people are. A lot of companies are. And, and auto manufacturers are buying sheet metal. And people, and back to retailers, you know what? They are buying enough phones that uh, Qualcomm's shooting the numbers out, of, you know, shooting the lights out of the numbers. So the bigger picture point that I'm trying to make here is you can look at this market right now one of two ways. From a top down, you're going to look at consumer sentiment. You're going to want to puke. From a bottom-up point of view, you're going to look at what the companies across the entire spectrum of oh industries, my God. what they're saying, and you're going to feel pretty good about things. Josh, I heard that. If you, if you, Jim is right, and so is Stephanie, the bottom line numbers of the companies that we talk about are pretty darn good. But that would be like looking at the publicly traded companies in the market. Uh, that would be like looking at the NBA and saying, the American people are, are in great shape. No, these are the best 100 companies on the planet. Overall, the picture is not great, and to cite Home Depot as being indicative of the, the overall economy, I think misses the big picture. If, the, if we lose the consumer, then the cycle is, is, is turning. It, the consumer has been the thing, the thing. And if, we, and if we, I'm not saying we definitely will, because again, the labor market is, is excellent uh, in terms of supporting the consumer and wage gains are great. So I'm not saying we will, but what we're hearing from companies is not to rely 
on that unquestionable strength from the consumer the way that we, I, we were able to in 2021. I am absolutely not disagreeing with that in any way. I think people like Jim have been way too optimistic on not only the environment, but the consumer because they're looking in the wrong places. Michael but, Farr, but Scott. We start, hold on, Jim, I'll come back to you in a second because I want to get Farr involved. Uh, we started this conversation off by talking about whether a, we're going to get a bounce because I'm not sure, you know, yes, we've gotten a little bit of a bounce, obviously, off of Thursday's low. I'm not suggesting we haven't gotten anything, but I think people are looking, looking for more. And it morphed into, well, maybe you're not going to get it because there are so many doubts and fears and worries about what the, the strength of things like the consumer uh, is at, at the current uh, point. What's your view here? Scott, I think that the consumer is strong for right now and weakening. And we're getting a bounce. And on the way to the bottom, you get a lot of different bounces. But as long as the Federal Reserve is still removing accommodation, is still as, as, as long as that's still your long-term trend, that the Fed is still hiking for the next several months, we don't know where the bottom is. Maybe we've made it, but I sure wouldn't put any money on that. And the consumer is running out of bandwidth. The consumer had savings rates go very high. They're spending them down. And the consumer is facing $5 a gallon gas at the pump, and we know what they're paying at the grocery store. We know that prices they have to pay are going up faster than the earnings that they're getting in their hourly checks. So this consumer is slowing over the long term, running out of capacity. How long will the retailers maintain pricing power in the face of a weakening consumer? We're about to see. You know, Walmart might have to do a product shift. Maybe they had a little bit of a glitch. Maybe Home Depot's figured something out. At some point, we're going to see margins continue to shrink for the S&P 500. I think we absolutely go into recession over the next couple of years. I don't know when, but I don't see that the Fed can engineer a soft landing. So you listen to Stephanie and you listen to a lot of what Labenthal and Josh have been saying. You've got to own the balance sheets. You've got to own companies that are earning money. You've got to earn those defensive names. This is a company where you get in a market environment where you get your portfolio to survive, to hold on, preserve capital. And we'll come out of this on the other side. I don't see Jim. I mean, I'll let you respond to what we said earlier. I don't see you running out and buying a bunch of consumer names, though, Jim, as optimistic as you claim to be about the, the strength of the consumer and the strength of the overall economy. I always love the way you phrase things. I mean, I don't do own General Motors. What do you mean? I do own Alaska. Truthfully? Like the way I, <laughs> I truthfully do own General Motors and Alaska Airlines. Scott, I don't, I don't wow. think you can say that I'm ignoring the consumer. You've but owned listen, those. But, You've owned those. You don't, you're yeah. not like buying them. You've owned those for a long period of time, at minimum, minimum two years, at least. So, so what? I mean, I could sell them at any point in time, and I haven't, and I own them now. I mean, the point that you seem to be well, making, if you sold General at least Motors as right I now, you'd be disappointed because you I'm have not, to take an out. But I'm not exposed to the consumer, and I'm clearly exposed to the consumer. I, I think the bigger question, though, is what Josh was raising, you know, about, here's, here, nobody's going to like what I'm going to say. Nobody on the show, nobody on Twitter is going to like what I'm about to say. The current inflationary environment is terrible for the consumer, and it's great for stocks. Okay, and that's what, you know, Josh was saying when he's saying the top 100 companies. Yeah, it's this is the classic time that stocks are a hedge against inflation. And that's why I'm fully invested, including some consumer names, including a lot of industrials, including some quasi defensive large cap tech names. 
Um, I sincerely hope that inflation comes down because it will take the pressure off the Fed to raise interest rates. But I'm not scared of the current environment, certainly not at these levels. I got to tell you, the environment is negative in terms of how bearish people, Steph, seem to be. Um, people who do what you do. B of A fund manager survey. I don't think I've seen it. I mean, I can't remember the last time it was this bearish across the board. Highest cash levels since 9-11. Biggest tech short since August 06. Biggest equity underweight since May of 20. The bull bear indicator is at the 2.0 contrarian buy level. I was going to ask you if it's a contrarian level here or is it rightfully, should we be this negative? When everybody's this negative, you want to try to find something that's positive, I mean, right? Unless everybody else is right and you're trying too hard. Well, I don't know. I mean, like the beginning of the year, I went, as I mentioned <laughs> earlier, I went more balanced in my portfolio, right? I was really big in cyclicals last year and it worked and it helped. But this year, it's not that kind of year, Scott. I think people forgot that you could actually lose money in stocks and certainly in bonds, that's for sure. And you're, and you're losing both this year. So it's right to be somewhat cautious. And we have so many uncertainties. We've talked about it ad nauseum, right? Fed, inflation, war, China, everything. And, and we don't have resolution on any of those things. We don't have clarity on any of those things. So we're going to be in a choppy environment. So maybe, yeah, you want to have a little bit more cash. I have a little bit more cash, but I have more balance. And I'm trying to find Garpy names, growth at a reasonable price, dividends, dividend growers. I mean, those are the places where I'm actually kind of hiding out in and balancing out. Why'd you sell um, GXO? Really GXO just, Logistics, you sold. I mean, it's such a good company. It has nothing to do with that. And they had a great quarter, and yet the stock is down 40%. So I had I made good money in it last year. I stayed. I overstayed my welcome this year. Uh, I'll get back into it at some point, but this isn't the time to own high beta industrials. That's why Deer is a little less so. Uh, it's a little more higher quality, I, I think. Um, and, and so I just saw a better opportunity in Deer, and I needed the money from something to, 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 to put that money into Deer. Michael so. Farr, I mean, I don't see you doing anything um, in the market. What does that say? I mean, yeah, and you sounded uh, about as cautious as a no-move person would suggest. Right. Well, I mean, Scott, I'm a fully invested investor. I don't believe that you can trade the market. I believe that timing and timing is how you ma- not timing is how you make money. So I have been over time, and we've talked about it on your show, shifting our portfolio to a more defensive, slowly portfolio with solid with these with these rock solid balance sheets but no i don't see uh any urgency to do anything i think this market is trying to reprice what a uh fed uh, a fed that's removing accommodation is trying to accomplish and we're trying to figure out how this is going to hit the consumer i mean i talked to my barber uh he said i buy gasoline i drive back and forth to work and i go home and try not to go anywhere because gasoline is just ridiculous i mean you have to think about that in terms of summer vacations and discretionary spending the people who are most vulnerable get hit hardest by inflation and we're trying to reprice for this unknown that's four and five and six months out that's what markets do but we also know the names like procter and gamble and pepsi cola and others are solid companies that do endure well during these times. Those are the companies that I own, and I'm going to hold them. I, I don't see a lot of urgency, and I don't see a lot of urgency to try and be too opportunistic or get too cute. Look, not to mention about the gas price thing. I mean, you know, Josh, you know, you hear anecdotally, and I certainly have from, from people, about those who have adjustable rate mortgages and whose mortgage rate and their interest payments have gone up a heck of a lot uh, recently for obvious reasons, and that's yet another point of pain in what is someone's biggest asset, generally speaking. 
Yeah, I think what's really interesting right now is that we are in the midst of this demographic handoff where the boomers, like the latest of any generation to ever uh, be well into their late 60s to late 70s and still be in their homes, like they, the, the, the rate of home turnover should have been much higher by now, but people are living longer and they're changing their, their patterns. They want to be close to their grandparents. So you're seeing this lockout from the housing market among young people. And the point that I would make there is maybe it's not the worst thing for mortgage rates to be higher, which they are substantially higher right now, um, but prices to finally come down. I don't think they'll come down a lot because we're not going to get you know more inventory. We're not going to get enough supply. The builders don't want to build houses at uneconomical pricing. Um, so we're not going to get that much relief. But it's probably better that home prices aren't rising at the clip that they were rising in 2020 and 2021. Maybe that, that helps the consumer. But for every bit that might help the consumer judge, you, you mentioned the right thing. Um, the, the price to drive around, it, it's just it, it hits people that don't, maybe don't watch CNBC, don't have a lot at stake in the stock market. Uh, but these are the people who are shopping at Walmart and Dollar General, and they're, they're spending money at supermarkets, and they're trading down from the Crafts and the Heinz to the, the private label. Like that phenomenon that's taking place, we really haven't yeah. seen that in a while. Uh, but once it starts, once it takes hold, it doesn't reverse that quickly. And I think we all have to wrap our heads around, hey, this is traditional down cycle behavior that's starting to take hold amongst a lot of consumers, not the Hamptons. The Hamptons is fine. Everybody else. Yeah, I hear you. And speaking of Walmart, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Uh, coming up, one of our investment committee members uh, has made a move in this stock. Now, it would be easy to say, well, it was a disappointment. Maybe they sold. I could easily come back and say, well, the stock is down so much, maybe they bought. You'll find out which one they did and who it is next. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash report. That is linkedin.com slash report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash report and get started.
I'm going to give you the scoop now on, on this Walmart trade. Um, stock's having one of its worst days on earnings, at least, in, in 20 years. Uh, it was the second biggest gap down on earnings at the open, and the stock is still down nearly 11%. The trade we have for you is Joe Terranova. He sold. He bailed. He sold Walmart at the open today at 136.26, about $4 higher than it is right now. He says it's in the penalty box for a very, very long time. And he only bought it back in April, uh, on April 21st. So we're talking less than a month. Three weeks for Joe in WMT. He's out. He had enough. By the way, he's in uh, OT uh, overtime with me tonight, and he'll give you the exact uh, he'll give me more color around his decision making process. He obviously wasn't available uh, to speak to all of you right now. We gave you at least the exact price in which he sold, but he'll give you the dish uh, later on. Target? Hey, Judge. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Real quick, can we put a, can we put up a two year chart on Walmart real quick? This is such an important yeah. point. Let's do um, it. Let's do it. And 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 Joe and Joe will probably back me up on this later. Um, so all right, take a look at Walmart. This is I think a top decile stock for the Russell 3000 this year. Like I think Walmart was one of the only places to be, one of the only places to hide. Had momentum, making new record highs. The stock looked fantastic. This is so emblematic of the environment that we're in, where like the highest quality company with the best technical setup, tons of people buying the stock, doing everything right, and with a good report overall, they still crush it. So what, like if you're a good stock, you could be anywhere from 10 to 25% off your high. If you're just an okay stock, you're probably down 30%. If you're a bad stock, you could be down 80%. That's the environment right now. Who is benefiting from that continuing to play over and over again? How many quarters do you want to pump into the machine before you recognize, oh, I'm in the wrong casino, I'm in the wrong place? That's what's breaking the back of this market. No follow through, even in the best of names. Yeah, it's a good point uh, that you make. You know, Depot is, was a good one to look at, too, which is um, now negative, at least the last I saw. And, and this was one that did you know, reasonably well. It's moved barely positive, but you see the intraday chart. There's no conviction is. Josh says behind much of anything, um, Target and TJX Depot's tomorrow, down 100 right? hundred points from a yeah. tie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a good point you make. Um, are you nervous now? <laughs> of course, I'm always nervous. I never yeah, I know, sleep. but now more especially after <laughs> what you got from from Walmart, yeah, how, think, how can you not be? Yeah, I think they're all going to feel the pressure on costs, on shipping costs, on labor. Labor, labor. I mean, the costs, labor thing costs. with Walmart was really the most disappointing. The comment that they're oversupplied, and that comes on the heels of Amazon also saying they are oversupplied with people. I mean, that's just remarkable if you think about it, right? Yeah. I mean, we went from really tight to now too loose, and now they have to lay off. So the whole thing is very confusing. And yeah, it does speak to Walmart's poor execution. Boy, Jim, I mean Kramer this morning, I, I called him a fire-breathing dragon. Yeah, he was not happy. on the air this morning because. I haven't seen him that upset about um, certainly a company like this yeah. in a long time, nor the execution by the chief executive. But to, to Josh's point, it was up 2% headed into the print. It did what it was supposed to do. It acts like a staple all year long up until this point. So high expectations. I think in Target, it's a little less in terms of the expectations. It's down 7% year to date. It also trades at a big discount to Walmart at 15 times. Mm. And I like their mix better. It's more balanced, discretion on discretion. So plus they're buying back a ton of stocks. They're going to have margin problems too. It's whether they can offset it or not. TJ is a treasure hunt. It's a reopen name. People want to go to the stores. It'll buy the way, 
they want to have value, too. They want to find value, and that is the definition of an off-pricer. And this stock is now trading at 17 times. I don't remember the last time it has traded at 17 times. It's usually in the low 20s, so it's seen multiple contraction. I like it. I also like the home exposure, but I'm nervous, for sure. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what they deliver. I'll be anxiously watching that. Energy is on pace for its sixth straight day of gains. A bunch of stocks are hitting new highs today. We'll give you those names and the trades next. performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Here's our CNBC News update at this hour. I'm Tyler Matheson. Nestle is rushing shipments of baby formula from Switzerland and the Netherlands to the United States as parents across the country deal with a shortage at U.S. supermarkets. Both products were already being imported, but Nestle moved shipments up and rushed via air to help meet the immediate needs here in the U.S. Tonight on the news, a look at the day at a day in the life of a parent struggling to find formula. Tune in at 7 p.m. for Chef Smith and the News. Nearly 43,000 people were killed on U.S. roads and highways last year. That's the highest number in 16 years as Americans returned to the roads after staying home amid the pandemic. Americans drove about 325 billion miles last year, more than 11 percent higher than in 2020, which, of course, contributed to the increase in deaths. Queen Elizabeth made a surprise visit today to a train station in central London to see the newly completed subway line named in her honor. The new East-West Elizabeth line is set to open to the public on May 24th. The 96-year-old monarch has reduced most of her public engagements. This was the first for the Queen since she attended a memorial service for her late husband seven weeks ago. Back to you. Tyler, appreciate that. That's Tyler Matheson. Trump shares a Wayfair, uh, guys, if you could. There's a Bloomberg uh, headline moving right now. It's so apropos to what we were literally just talking about, the state of the consumer, the state of the retail 
uh, industry right now. They say Bloomberg does it. We'll work to independently confirm it, of course. Wayfair freezing, freezes hiring for 90 days, citing macro uh, uncertainty. So the stock's not doing a, a whole heck of a lot on the headline itself. Uh, maybe coming off the highs of the day a little bit. Uh, but this is just right in the wheelhouse of the conversation that we were having about what is the real strength of the consumer and where is it likely to it's go news, in, in, in the weeks ahead. Who, who said that? It's Jimmy. It's Jimmy. That's yeah, great news. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to back off on this. This is an important point. You want the stay-at-home beneficiary companies to start letting people off so they can migrate to those sectors of the economy, namely the services sector, that are desperate for workers. That will help inflation. You want these people going from the Amazon warehouses and the Wayfair warehouses over to be baggage handlers at airports. You want them going to be, you know, in, in the back of a, of a hotel doing the work there, loading supplies. This is good, and I'm sorry if somebody sees it otherwise or thinks I'm being a jerk for saying that. It is good for the workers, and it's good for the economy. Well, nobody uh, I, wishes I, I job losses on, Judge? On, on, on anybody. Judge? Um, if, if it works so perfectly to, to you that, you know, you lose one job, you, you right away pick Scott, up another, 11, then, then, then fine. Judge, openings. I would differ. There's 11 million job openings and 5 million uh, unemployed workers. The problem isn't losing jobs. That's not the problem from that mathematical equation. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to argue with you. My, Michael Farr. Judge, I just I, I differ a little bit, and, I, and it's with great trepidation that I ever disagree with my friend Jim Labenthal. But I would say, in addition, this is a trend. I do it all the time. Just be, go of, ahead. When, well, I, yeah, I know. We're still I, know friends. I know you're doing. You're better I'm still at friends it than with I, them. And, and, it's that's true. true. Well, I'm I'm going to be more cautious and respectful, you know, because he's he's such he's a big deal, you know. Anyway, uh, what we're seeing here, though, is a retailer basically that's having some problems, they're having margin problems, and they're gonna go ahead and they're gonna uh, freeze staffing. This is what starts later in this cycle, and this will actually cause the employment numbers to go higher when all of a sudden sales stop and you basically say, I don't need any more workers if I'm not making sales. When this happens, we're gonna see if the Fed has a real spine and whether they're gonna to continue to fight inflation or whether they're gonna cave and say, we've gotta get, we've gotta do something about employment and back off. That's the litmus test for this Fed coming up. But it's not a great sign that a retailer, even an online retailer is struggling and gonna cap their number of employees. My, Look, just maybe it's my one opinion. of the reasons why, reaching from my notes, forgive me, but it's one of the reasons why, you know, Avenue's Mark Lazary told me yesterday in overtime that you know, he, he doesn't necessarily think the Fed's going to be as aggressive as, as some, including the, the market, you know, thinks. They uh, be surprised Might if they not. raise three times. We'll, we'll see. I mean, it's an ongoing conversation. We'll continue to have it, obviously. Uh, we will come back. We're going to talk about some of the energy names that are hitting new highs today. I've got them right in front of me. I don't know, at least 10 names. Levels not seen since a long time ago. We'll go through them with those who own them next. Told you about energy. Uh, it's ripping again, about six straight day of gains. Uh, Chevron, you own. Here's the stocks that are at. Phillips 66, PSX is the ticker. Levels not seen since January of 2020. Marathon Petroleum since 2011. Exxon Mobil since December of 16. Chevron 
uh, since 2000, Devon since July of 2014. All of these are the haven't had this level since then. Occidental, December of 18, Pioneer, August of 97, Valero, 1980, Conoco down to 2002. <laughs> I mean, just when you ask the question, can it really continue? Yes, it does. It can, because these companies are minting money, and that is the theme here, right? Even if oil were to go back to pre-war, that was $80 a share, and that's because these companies have gotten more religion in terms of ESG and returning that free cash flow to shareholders. I've been doing a barbell, as you know, within energy. Chevron is a high-quality dividend payer, great asset. Schlumberger? Schlumberger, technolo hidden technology play. Great quarter, And then Diamondback, they're just... <laughs> They just offered a special dividend on top of on top of increasing their dividend. So they have so much cash they don't know what to do with. So I like them all. Josh, I like all three. I'm sorry to interrupt. Okay. You. Uh, Josh Brown, you own the IEO. Yeah, a few months ago, I put on two ETFs that I felt were defensive and the right places to be this year. One was uh, defense ITA. The other is IEO, um, which is U.S. oil and gas explorers and producers ETF. Um, you look at the top 10 holdings, every one of these stocks, to Stephanie's point, looks incredible right now. Conoco, EOG, Pioneer, Marathon, Valeros, uh, Phillips 66. Not only is the fundamental uh, story the, that wind at their back, but the stock market is buying these stocks on every dip. So I think this ETF is going to take out uh, a record high, that it, uh, a recent record high that it set back on May 6th, maybe today, maybe tomorrow but there is a fresh breakout coming in this space. And so long as oil is bid above 90 bucks, uh, I, I really don't see why you would think the fundamentals here are gonna deteriorate. We're not seeing evidence of any demand destruction from uh, the macro or the consumer, uh, at least not yet. And these companies are not overspending. They're not gonna put themselves back into a death spiral. They learned their lessons. It's a lot of the same management teams from 15 and 16. So sure. I, I would stay long the space here, it looks great. Uh, Farber Jim, KMI and Rig, those uh, your two favorites right now? Yeah, they are. And this is actually the identical strategy that Stephanie just pointed out of a barbell. Uh, Kinder Morgan is a real steady eddy. This is a lot of dividend, uh, good, good cash flows that are growing, but it's not going to shoot the lights out. Rig, which is Transocean, has the potential to be multiples of where it is today. You've got day rates on their deep water drilling rigs going up uh, very consistently as oil price goes up, as you've got the supply shortages and you need to drill in harsh environments like the North Sea and other Arctic zones. So as those uh, day rates continue to go up, as they bring stacks out from cold storage, excuse me, rigs out from cold stack storage, their cash flows are going to increase. This is a very volatile stock, though. That's why I call it a barbell with the steady eddy of Kinder Morgan on the other end. Yeah, I hear you. Okay, up next, the big buys and sells from Berkshire's Warren Buffett. Interesting names that we need to talk about. Plus, uh, in May, we are celebrating Asian American and Pacific Islander heritage, featuring some of our CNBC teammates and contributors. Here is Mona Mahajan, Edward Jones, senior investment strategist. South Asian Indian culture um, is just, you know, it's very rich in tradition and ceremony and festivals. Um, everything from when you think about an Indian wedding ceremony and, and the different colors and, and festivities that go along with that, to even some of the holidays we celebrate. And I, I look at my own kids, but I really want them to take away from all of this um, rich culture is, is the values behind it. You know, the importance of supporting family and communities and making sure that you not only uh, work hard and, and you remain dedicated in life, but you're 
you're humble, you give back. All right, welcome back. Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway making some interesting moves, to say the least. Farmer Jim. Farmer Jim. Paramount. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. One of the best stocks in the market today. Last I saw it was up 10%, maybe more than that. What do you think about this? Oh, 15%. The Oracle is on your side, Jimmy. You know how this goes, Scott. I say buy, buy Paramount. Nobody cares. Warren Buffett says, by Paramount, and the market cares. Um, I don't think anything fundamental has changed, obviously, in the name, but this is about a 12% position, and it means that that much float is effectively out of the market, because he's not going to sell that, at least not anytime soon, and it's I don't think he's going to lend it to short sellers. Basically, what he seems to be saying is uh, th- that he believes in streaming and that this is a winner in the streaming uh, wars. Now, I also want to point something out. This is highly likely not Warren and Charlie Munger. This is highly likely Ted Wexler and Todd Combs. You know, the up-and-coming heir apparents, the, the anointed heir apparents. Still, it's a very good sign for the longevity of, of a holder like Berkshire Hathaway to be in this position. Yeah, the only thing I would say is that, you know, we're always careful in the way we frame the Fs that come out because you just never, they're always backward looking, right? So you don't yeah. truly know the, the state of uh, someone's position. And what was the Buffett playbook of years past where you hold a, you buy a stock and you hold it nearly forever, it certainly may not be the case anymore. Perhaps they're a little more nimble for the very reason that you said, uh, that maybe this is not Mr. Buffett himself who is in charge of this particular investment, who made the decision in the first place. So I, I would simply just say that it's hard to read in and speculate on a, a number of different things, Jim. But nonetheless, a 15% gain is a 15% gain. The other one is Citigroup, a new position yeah. in City. Now, Steph, I, I, I'm going to go. Wait, Jim, you own City also. I don't own City. I own yes. Wells. Well, I know. Well, we'll get to that one in a second. <laughs> I, I, I got, we got business. <laughs> we got some business. Well, uh, but I'll, City, I'll, Jim. Yeah, and I'll toss directly to Steph unless you want to jump in. But Citigroup, look, this is. This probably is Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, all right? This is a deep value stock. I look at it, I see the dividend yield, I see the cash flows that are supporting buybacks of shares well below tangible book value. It's kind of what a value investor likes, and I think this is Charlie and Warren stepping up. Now, I'll let Steph or whomever cover the Wells Fargo aspect of this. Well, Steph can do that. Thank you. Your, your skill, your toss to the next person <laughs> skills are really off the charts, Jim. <laughs> That was super duper smooth. As long as you've been doing this, you, my friend, have a future, no doubt. Wells, they bailed. You continue to make the case for it. Yeah, I mean, Still? I'm, I'm looking to buy more. Yeah, you are? Yes. This, the stock was up 61% last year, and I was buying it in the 20s yeah. last year. So it all depends on where well, you, what your price is. Well, it was kind of in the toilet. It was totally in the toilet. But, you know, I like some of those kind of companies, especially with Charlie Sharp, the CEO, running the company. I think they're still in the third inning in terms of the restructuring. The asset cap has not been lifted. That's a catalyst. I think they can do an ROTCE of 15% from 13% today over time, over the next couple of years. That gives them a lot of operating leverage. And I think they're $6 of earnings power. So it's cheap, and I like it. So I might buy more. Okay. Good stuff. Up next, it's our call of the day. It is one semi-stock that one firm says can surge 50% from right here. We'll tell you what it is. Debate it next.
Y'all see the semis today? They are soaring. The sector's up nearly 4%. I'm looking squarely right now on my computer at AMD. That stock's up 8% because it got upgraded today. And by the way, the analyst is coming up in the exchange, so don't miss that. From Piper, raise the price target to 140 from 80. Do you like this call or not? I do like this call because the stock's come down a lot, but I'm still cons- but, but, but I'm still concerned about potential double ordering and triple ordering in the space in general, and that's why I sold out of mo- me- all of my semiconductor. Even companies. if you, I mean, you're, you're not that concerned about the macro, you don't. I mean, I'm so, well, um, but right? I do think that I think the supply chain issues are creating double ordering and triple ordering oh, okay. that's going to okay. come back to roost okay. some at some point. It's not next quarter. But you think it's because of the supply chain? Yes. Okay, yes. I got you. Yes. I, I thought maybe you were, con- you know, this was a call kind of about the economy. No. No, not so much. But I will say I have my eye on Lamb. You know I used to own that one, yeah. and I sold it pretty well. And that stock now is trading at 14 times. It's down from 22 times. So there, there's going to be an opportunity, but I just think we have time on that. Michael Farr, what do you think? You like this? Yeah, no. Yeah, no, uh, too early for me. This has been the this has been the leading edge of the falling knife of this market, and I think there'll be some opportunity there. But no, I, I, I think it's too early. I think the trend's still down. I th- I'm concerned about Stephanie's point of double and triple ordering. You'll find good points to get in, but I sure don't think there's any rush. This this strikes me as a bear market trap. Well, wow. so Josh, the 52-week on on the the range 164 to 72. So it's, you know, it's, it's gotten well off the mat mm-hmm. and, you know, back over 100 bucks for the first time in, in a while. You have exposure to NVIDIA, which has had its own issues stock-wise, uh, you know, in, it, in its own right. So what do you, what do you think about this, this space here? NVIDIA today is good for 4% as this uh, space is having a good day. But again, that one was as high as 346. The only reason I don't own AMD is because I'm in NVIDIA. And I've been in it so long that the position has gotten too big for me to own both. And I don't feel like selling any NVIDIA. But otherwise, I would own it. I think uh, Lisa Sue's done a great job. Even technically, this looks better than most of the semis. Uh, I think this is going to work. I think uh, it's not interchangeable with NVIDIA, but it's the right, it's the right sandbox. They're all, the, both these companies are playing in all the right next-generation technologies. Even if we have a cyclical bear market that lasts 12 months, so what? These are the companies that are building our future over the next five to ten years, and I think you want to be in at least one of them. So I'm blessing this one. Okay, Farmer Jim, the Qualcomm man. Yep, uh, love Qualcomm. It's the biggest of the three semis I own. NXP is the next biggest. Nvidia after that. And what Josh said is absolutely right. I mean, if you just from the industry insider point of view. All of the CEOs are saying the semiconductor shortage is going to last well into next year. Eventually, that double ordering will be an issue, but we're a long way away from it by what the insiders say. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We've got final trades coming up next. Are you following the Halftime Report podcast? What are you waiting for? Real debate and actionable advice from the investment committee, plus unusual activity and more. Look for us in your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast now. Hope you'll watch Overtime three hours from now. I will see you at 4 o'clock Eastern time. Mike Mayo is coming on, obviously going to react to what Mr. Buffett has done uh, with City, Joe Ternova is going to give you some more details and color on that Walmart sale, which he did at the open today. Anastasia Amoroso is going to be with us. We've got 
uh, Jerome Snyder of PIMCO. we got a big show coming up three hours, and I hope I will see all of you then. Final trade to you first here at Post 9. And it's been fun. Next, Terra, best-in-class utility, down 23% year-to-date, and they have above-average growth and returns. I like this one a lot down here. All right, good stuff. Thank you for that. Mr. Farr. A different kind of a name from me, Scott. Physicians Realty Trust. It's a REIT. Doc. Uh, $17 a share, $4 billion, 5.2% dividend, and it's a medical office space kind of a REIT. Okay. Josh Brown? Uh, Apple's going to be back to buying a lot of its stock back all summer long. I think there should be some, some support here, uh, even though technically it's been a tough stock over the last two weeks. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, back to 148 today. Uh, you've had more positive calls on big cap tech today, whether it was Amazon, Apple itself, or Microsoft, which in, in most cases were reiterated as positive as they were uh, in, in recent history. So those stocks holding up, which is obviously helping the overall market uh, as well. Pharma Jim, you're last. Yep. Wynn Resorts, the big picture is what sold this down. But mm. when you look at company results, the stock should be going higher. All right. I'll see you in just a bit. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.